Nice. Nice. Woo. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back to the Love to Hear It podcast, episode numero 20. We got Miguel Verde in the cribby right now. How are we doing, Verde? We're in the cribby. We're in the warehouse. Literally the cribby. We're in Dana's warehouse. Yeah, I'm doing good. Just on a little mission, out of work. Trying to take some time and learn something new. Out of work being AKA out of the water? Yeah, that's how I should be looking at it, but... We don't need to talk about that. Yeah, I'm out of Colorado right now. I'm in the water, putting in a little bit of work, trying to pay some dues. I definitely did yesterday, but yeah. Feel that. Me and Verde, for the people listening, are in a warehouse right now, my brother's warehouse, and they shoot music videos here. We set up the podcast and just me and Verde kind of moved in. We filmed this our second episode and we've just been honestly spoiled. Running water, a toilet. And, a, and electricity is all your boys need. And yeah, we're three days in right now. When you're in the whip, I mean, the whip's cozy. You got your bed dialed. But the one thing for me is like, all right, where am I going in the morning? What am I doing? Now we got it. It's pretty legit. Thanks. Shout David. out DW. Yeah, you might hear him in the background. He is going to be in the room next door screaming about as loud as he can. Basically recording vocals for what's going to end up on the actual album. This is This is the actual sound that you're going to hear that ends up on the album so crazy yeah and it's cool to be inside another room where he's doing that because that's almost the start of why i even know you guys yeah so let, let's take a step back for the people who have been watching the vlog for a while you might know mike green or the green brothers from when we either met at hood and you started watching or a little bit after that when i kind of moved to colorado and was living in their what seemed kind of like a warehouse, but the garage underneath the hotel that they were living at. But to go back even further than that, just do a little a little breakdown of your story. We found out that Mike Green, actually, we grew up 20 minutes away from each other. So where are you from? I am from originally even more back from that. I'm from Florida, but I don't remember that part of my life. I was up until like six. And then I moved up to Connecticut, to Clinton, Connecticut. First Madison, Connecticut, but I moved up to Clinton after that and started snowboarding at powder ridge i heard you guys talking about powder ridge yep. and d-dub's first mountain and my buddy's dad in what fifth grade i think i started going to madison just encouraged me to like come with them one day to powder ridge and it was like a night session it was freezing i'm from florida and it was they didn't teach me anything so they're yelling at me to strap my bindings in and i just have this memory of getting like abused trying to get down the mountain but that was the first day that happened and so with friends not yeah, a ski trip no this was with a family they were the, uh, the morsons in madison and and you said you're from florida originally yeah when did you move to connecticut uh probably the year two or like 1999 i'm i'm 31 right now so when I was like seven, eight, like six, seven, eight years old, we moved up to Connecticut. My dad had a job change and yeah. Oh, so. that's tough. So we don't know if you're from Florida or Connecticut. That's yeah, a, that's a middle ground there where all the the growing up is is happening right around those yeah, years. Yeah, it's funny, like judging where you're from in your own head. I'm like, oh, I'm from Connecticut. That kind of gives me a right to snowboard and da, da, da. But now it's like, oh, I'm actually from Florida now. I'm okay with surfing. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> one suits you at the time. Yeah. So uh, was skateboarding ever a thing? Snowboarding came in when you said you were how old? Probably 13 
or 14. And was skateboarding ever? Yeah, my grandma bought me a skateboard. First? Yeah, when I was like in Florida still. And I remember pushing around on that thing and just like, I don't, wow. I um I didn't have any tricks. And I had one friend who I skated with and he helped me out, but we would, you know, I learned how to like push around and we went to skate parks and I learned how to drop in and whatnot. But I wasn't like a skater by any means. I was just like, I had a skateboard and I I liked it. So yeah, I wasn't like fully going after it. That's insane. The skateboarding is just always ends up being the foundation for anybody that dives into snowboarding. It seems like. Exactly. Skateboarding was really hard to me. I didn't have anybody encouraging me or helping me or anything. So like to me, I was like, this is crazy. I vivid memory of going to my first skate park and saying to my mom in the car, I'm going to do a hand plant because I was watching Rocket Power. And I got there and had the rudest awakening in the world. The floor was really slippery. It was an indoor park falling all over the place. Couldn't even push up a ramp. But I'm just like, yeah, okay. Now yep. I know what skateboarding is. So yep. then when I moved up to Connecticut and saw snow, I was like, ooh, this is like a cheat code kind of. Yeah. It seems to be that also seems to be the the rate of goes from skateboarding and then people find snowboarding. And they're like, all right, skating's a little rough. The snowboarding thing's a lot more. It's still gnarly as it can be, but. It's a little bit chiller and then as you get older then it navigates into surfing we got to get into the career though because mike green graduated <laughs> high school and went full stoke lord in in the business world what i know nothing about it so give me the full breakdown i i was a man of many hats back when i was in high school i i started skating again i was snowboarding i'd play sports i would like kind of try in school so i had all these friends doing a bunch of different things and it only felt right to go to college because everybody else was going to college. And I never even thought an option was to not like, oh, I'll just go live at Mount Snow or go do something like that. I, my Everybody was doing it. So I'm like, I got to go do it. So I applied to UConn and I ended up, uh, this is, I don't even need to say all this, but I, I ended up going to one of the sister schools of UConn, Avery Point, which made me commute up to stores, which is like the main UConn campus. And being there is kind of what made me start snowboarding more because I was closer to Mount Snow. But anyways, I fully went through school. I did, I say, I say pre-med, but because it's easier for people to understand, but I did allied health sciences at UConn, which is basically you study all the sciences in general. So then you can basically apply to any type of graduate school, be it med school, nursing anything you don't have like a specific thing so i did all of that and then as soon as i graduated i had been snowboarding at mount snow a ton saw you all the time and i knew of you but i was just going i was a weekend warrior i'm like these guys are nasty but you know we just never never tried to even link up because i'm like i'm not even at their level why would i yo what's up yeah 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 so i graduated and it was a dream of mine to move to colorado because i went and visited in 20 2014 with a girlfriend's family and it was epic and i'm like as soon as i graduate i gotta graduate because everyone graduates and then i'm gonna go out there so i incurred fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt graduated from yukon moved out to denver because i didn't think it was possible to just move to breck get housing get a job i just had this thing in my head like couldn't get a job down there i've always worked at restaurants and i figured they'd be so packed and people have been there for 10 years making all this money so i'm like i gotta move to denver first still had the career thing kind of in mind so i went to like emt school out there and yeah just also in the midst of all that, I got a job through Chipotle. I worked for the corporate side of Chipotle. This was once you got to Colorado? This is once I got to Colorado. To yeah. Denver. To Denver. I was in Denver. I, this is when I started grinding. 
for snowboarding, which is a whole different thing. But I was driving up to Mount Snow or um, Keystone every single day. I'd leave at 5 a.m. because the traffic was so bad. You get there at 7. Mountains don't open until 9. I would just pass out. And then yep. go, and I'd work at one or two or three. So I'd have my phone set an alarm at 1145 or 1245 or 145. It's perfectly sunny. And that's when it, it like alarm goes off and it sucked. But I would always just drive back to Denver and just work as much as I could. But I was sick of the restaurant job. So I found out through a friend back home, the Chipotle was hiring this girl. She's part of this big team. It's safety, security, and risk. And we like also... I'm the one, you know, all these Chipotles too, all the pans they serve you out of, I switched every single one of them out. California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, all these different states. We just like landed, went to a distribution center. I loaded up a Penske truck, drove it at midnight most of the time, switched them all out as efficiently as we could. They like wrapped them in saran wrap. We had them all set up, bring them with Ryan Nunn, the kid that you know. Yep. And drop them off and then also make sure they closed right because the whole E. coli thing they're like make sure the freezer is good and they don't have stuff wrapped weird so i did all that stuff and then chipotle inspector yeah and i always said to people the the corporate side because i'm like i'm not scooping meat at chipotle i was like i don't know i have all these i've been in my head about all that stuff because i got these friends who were doctors and then i got my friends who were skaters and i'm like oh i gotta appeal to these people so like i'm not i'm not scooping meat i'm on the corporate side i have a credit card so, yeah. And so how did it lead into snowboarding becoming the main focus and t- being like, I don't want to do this corporate? Uh, it was clockwork. I had two week trips. So we would fly out for two weeks, go do what we're doing, switch the pans out, then come back. Every time I left, snowing two feet or perfect sun for the whole time. And any time I got back, snowing an inch, super windy, gray bird. And I just kept getting unlucky. And I was like literally mad while being there. I was doing my job, making good money. But I was just like, I'd get back and just froth out as hard as I could. But I'm like, I'm just not getting the good days. And this sucks. I'm trying to get better. And what happened? That's what it relates to, like in surfing, where you've got to put the time in to deserve the conditions. And sometimes it seems like the elements are rewarding the people who are sleeping in their car all because you don't see them. They're there for the crappy days, too, and the shitty days. But then when it's good, they've been there the whole time waiting. So they score all the good days. So it's like it's the universe or the elements like rewarding the people that are putting the work in and just like the punishing the people who aren't in the mountains all the time. Like, yo, we can't be here all the time. We would love to be here all the time, but it feels like the universe is like screwing me over, but it's literally telling me like, if you aren't working, look what I got for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I ended up, I think this was in the springtime. I had, this was a huge project. So we knew how long it was going to last and when it would end. And at the end, they wanted us to move to San Diego because they were, they were relocating. And I was like, I was like, I'll never moved to San Diego. Why would I ever do that? I thought it was funny. But yeah, so the project, I wasn't even ended yet. And I had two weeks off. It was like the end of Breckenridge. It was like the last week. And I met Hurricane Sandy on the chair. And we were like training backflips on the last three jumps. And it was just like super soft spring conditions. Everybody's killing it. And she just looks over at me in the chair and she's like, yo, I'm the adult camp coach at High Cascade Snowboard Camp, which I'm like, my whole life when I was younger, well, when I got to Connecticut, I'm like, mom, can I like go to that camp? I see it online. She's like, it's $2,500. Good luck. Mm-hmm. So I never went. And then when Hurricane Sandy, Sandra Hillen, she's the best. She just had a kid, I think. Yeah. Um, 
she asked me to coach the adult camp at High Cascade. And I was like, no, I just said yes. I knew I had stuff going on. I didn't know when it was going to happen because I didn't really know the hood time. And I was like, yes. And then when I got all the details, I was going to have to take off like the whole summer. And this project was still going on and I just quit. And was that your first year at High Cascade? Yeah, the first time ever going Is anywhere when I came? out west. Yeah. Wow. So on the other side, it would have been my first time too. I'd always dreamed of that. And I was probably in San Diego, I think, down in Mexico. And Will Rivera hit me up and was, I don't know if I said I wanted to go to Hood or whatnot, but he was like, yo, we need, we need another coach as well. Can you be up here in like three days? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, you need a physical and all this stuff. And I was like, you want me there in three days or not? And he's like, all right. Just get up here. And yeah, that's literally when me and you linked up. And I don't remember. Well, first, before we before we actually meet at Hood, you were in Connecticut driving up to Vermont, right? You said? Uh, I had graduated UConn and mm -hmm. I didn't move out to Denver yet. And I was talking to Dan. I wanted to go to Mount Snow. And is this like 2018? This is when I started the vlog. Had you known me? You didn't know me oh, before the vlog, no. right? No, I didn't know you. I knew of you, but this is what happened. I was on a Chipotle trip. That's what it was. And I we rent cars and stuff or Penske's or whatever. And I had, I think, a three-day window in between flights. And I talked to Dan. I was like, yo, how can I get up to Mount Snow? Do you know anybody with a pass? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, dude, hit up Casey Willax. And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know why I would ever reach out to you. Because like... You were like this guy over well, there. I was still a super small creator. I just started the vlog in November exactly. 2017. You're like this person. Yeah, but still, I was super small. I was like super, like, I don't know, like reach out a bull. Like it seemed. Ex well, yeah, I'm like that too. You were smaller and like, I'm not just going to reach out to some person. I don't know what came over me or what made me do it. And Dan's like, told me to hit you up. So I hit you up and you're like, yeah, come on up. Hit me up for what? A pass. Yeah, yeah. You, you hit me, me up pass. trying to get a pass. Hey, do you yes, have a hookup or this anything? Is what it was. Yeah. Up. So I had I had three days between the trip and I was gonna go up to Mount Snow. So I rented a car, talked to Dan to get a season pass from you. You said yes. And I got there and I don't even think I got it from you. You were No, busy? I was sleeping. I vividly remember someone DM'd me and said, Yo, do you have any hookups at Mount Snow? And like I said, I was small then. I was I didn't like look at myself like I was like a big creator. I was like, I'm just trying to help people out. So somebody hit me up on Instagram, thought you were homie, knew I didn't know you, and was like, Yo, can you get a hookup? I had been literally getting hooked up with passes for so many years. Like I have unlimited amounts of like for the next five years, I need to be buying people passes and giving out passes because of how many people have hooked me up with passes, like trying to come up and just the things I've done. And so I literally was like, yeah, I got you on a pass for sure. It doesn't matter. Just make sure you're all geared up and I'll leave the pass downstairs in the mud room. And I like woke up because I was on some crazy vlog, edit, work, vlog, edit, sleep, random hours. And I put Jamal's pass yeah. in the mud room in Westover and this kid rocked up and grabbed <laughs> Literally six foot three black males freaking snowboard pass. He's like with a big smiling face and it, it worked, right? Yeah. In my head, I'm like, well, he knows everyone, so it doesn't matter. But I'm like, is this going to work? But yeah, it <laughs> yeah. worked. I rode with LZ that day, actually, we were talking yes. about last night. And yeah, that was funny. I But I, that's what it was. I asked you for a hookup. And you were like, yeah, I got you with I got a, you pass. a free pass. And I'm yeah, like, don't oh, worry. wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's what happened. That's what's up. So fast forward now to the fact that I don't know who that was. I just hooked up some random, you know what I mean, kid who hit me up on Instagram or a friend. It wasn't like a random follower. I just figured a homie. And now I rock up to Mount Hood for my first ever summer 
coaching at High Cascade, which is literally a dream. And um, I mean, you probably, like you said, you already knew who I was, so you might have a better intel of how we first met. And yeah, what. like I knew of you. And what happened was as coaches, every day you get what? We coach until one o'clock and they give you till like 210, 250 maybe to ride afterward. So afterwards, I'd always go over to the jumps because that's what I wanted to work on the most. It was super fun. And it, no one was really doing it toward the end of the day, the last 40 minutes, except for me and you every for the first two days. I don't even think we talked the first two. And then we were just perfectly going. We were like oppo lap perfectly. Like we'd watch each other hit the jump. And then like one time, maybe you waited up top or maybe I was just waiting up top. I don't know what I was doing. And you at you had your GoPro with you and you literally just looked over and you were like, yo, like we're both kind of session this right now. Do you want to film each other? We'll just go back and forth on the GoPro. And I, and we, I don't even think I said like, I know you. I was like, yeah. And then we just did that for a bit <clears throat> and we linked up afterward. And we got to find that vlog because I was daily then. So that's that's documented somewhere. That? Yeah. We got to bring that up and find it. That's funny. Yeah. So then we linked up afterward. And I think that's when I was like, yo, I like know of you. I've been going to Mount Snow for years, but you gave me that pass. And you were like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then you were like, Dan was the one who yelled out in the video because that was the first crazy. time I had ever had some like fan stoke or just somebody who watched the video stoke. Yo, Casey Willax <clears throat> yeah. from C-Town. Love the vlog. So as I'm like cab 270 on and I'm just cruising music in and Jamal's like, yo, yeah. did you hear that? that? And I'm like, what's up? He's like, dude, homie's been watching the vlogs. I started like November 17th and this is Thanksgiving. 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 This is yeah. November 24th. We're like seven days into the vlog and we're Whoa. getting shout outs on Hill. And we're just like, that's the motivation that like keeps you fucking going. Yeah. Like it's first funny week. as my brother too. That was, that was good. He told me that. And he was filming like a little thing with his friend. And he's like, dude, I saw Casey Willax there. And like, yeah, we like didn't, was it that year or that next summer was when we probably linked to high cascade must've been. Because was. I was in Breck for that one year, I think. So yeah. Well, that was the summer. That's when we started snowboarding a bunch and skating together. And yeah. I just remember being like, oh, this dude's mad chill. And you had done like a bunch of, I mean, you just come off as a smart dude. And when you got the whole doctor stuff going on, anything happens to anybody and you're throwing out terms and what's going on, I'm just like, all right, this dude shreds and he's super chill and he's dialed in point and he's on it and he's aware of his surroundings. You know what I mean? Like, let's get some clips. And I think we just stayed in touch. And then once fall came, I was, I always do the Colorado opening lap. And we cruised over there. Yeah, because yeah, it was Dan. And then we had the summer and you and then we met at Hood. Yeah. And um, yeah, so then that next spring I just like I rocked up to your guys' spot and you're like, yo, you can literally crash here if you want. And you had a couch. And I rocked upstairs. We all, we actually have to tell the stories because it's hilarious. My oh, first night rolling in and it's Verde and his bro in a two separate room. And then his dad in a room right next to the kitchen. And I came in daily vlogging, just like stoking with everybody. We had dinner, whatnot. Everybody goes to bed. All right. Break out the computer, put the headphones in. I'm freaking editing till 1 a.m. And I smash this keyboard like Smash. when we're when i'm vibing and i get to a spot where it has to cut i'm just i don't even care dude we'll get a new one next year like dang, i always say he stopping. sounds like he's hacking into the nsa it's like bah, 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 bah. and 
Yeah, my dad. So we were in this hotel. My dad, my brother and dad tried to move out to Breckenridge in like December and they found nothing. So they got like a hotel room. And then I ended up in there because there's two beds in one side, my dad's in the other. So Casey's in the middle, hacking in the NSA. My dad is the most particular, peculiar, super cool guy. Legend. I don't even want to start off like that. He's an awesome dude. He's great. Particular for sure. But he's like, he's in his own ways and nothing can change. And (laughs) I don't even think he said anything that night, which is so unlike him because nowadays he would just flip out. But yeah, the next morning he's like, your friend kept me up all night with that keyboard. You started losing it. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. no, you had your door closed. His door was open. Yeah, that was, yeah, when you got to get a banger out, you got to get a banger. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. You had the the Ford E350 yeah. in the parking garage. Downstairs. And I legitimately was like, yo, this is pretty dialed. Like now I found out not only are you a legend, but your brother's a legend. And he was hyped on filming and had the wide angle. And it was just like, we would just rock up to the mountain. Dan would film us both. And then he would hot lap and we would toss the GoPro. We had multiple angles, multiple cameras. Everything was just so dialed. His pops so ended up right. dipping out. So then we got the whole entire oh, place and we're yeah. like, yo, there's a hot tub. I'm, I'm downstairs. And I just lived in my van underneath a hotel room in Breckenridge for a, a month and a half, probably until At like least. right around Christmas. It was like most of, yeah. Cause preseason used to be sick, dude. Shout out to Colorado five years ago. And any time before that, because it it's was legendary. just the place to be. And it's, it's always had like that, like kind of like oh it's colorado dude but it's like yeah it's also colorado dude like it's so it's the mecca f- because it's of what it is and it's just to see like freeway disappear and oh. like it's just gone down and out but th- i'm saying that because the preseason used to be they almost had like an area 51 style preseason where so you'd either hike good. up top or you could uh, the I remember the back park the year before we even met. I just missed that. They had it on that chair. That was, and that was insane, dream. dude. And I remember you would just like, you'd show up in late October, early November, whenever it was, and you'd just be like, it's such a tight quarters, and you just see these insane pros. And like Area 51 used to open up in November, I feel like. Like early December, they had big kickers, and pros were there learning like brand new triples. And Remember the Haldor Torstein edit of just oh, like I was just gonna reference. Oh that. my gosh, bro! It was just like all the boys were in that. Such a banger! There's so many bangers around that time. <clears throat> they used to go so big. I think they're they're kind of making a comeback a little. They're bit. trying to. They're trying hard. They're trying. Yeah, they're realizing. But Vale is just taking over, it's and tough. they know families matter more than it's tough. rats. At least Copper is still yeah. mental. They got the do tour, so they got no choice but to build some. And they have like stuff. All the parks are all within Copper Parks. Yeah. You show up at Copper, dude. There is nothing like that first run through Copper when you haven't been there. Like you guys see it and probably build a little bit more. I don't know if they just kind of open it all up on one day, but when we rock up there and they've been open for a month, it's just like you're gassed a third gassed. of the way through and confused and worried. And and you're like, <laughs> where's that going? What might be on the other side of that? Like Ooh, like who's doing that? Yeah, you know what I mean? Is yeah, that like they did, they're throwing multiple letter rails next oh to each other? So it's God. like an NCV. You're like, what? Dude? Yeah. There's a DLP. You're yeah. like, oh, that is the craziest looking shape I've ever seen. It's so sick though, so fun. And then you keep going down. And it 32 Brother Park, yeah, yeah, never ends, dude. It's like a KOG song. 
Yeah, it's, it makes my hands numb on the first couple of days. Get <sighs> to the bottom, I'm like, actually, my hands are tingling. So good. We've had some insane days at Copper. But yeah, those preseason days, those still just watching those videos just make the heart flutter because those are just some of the best times with Literally. Bill Will. Opening day Keystone, opening day Copper, opening day Breckenridge. Just like oh, the vibes were so good. So good, dude. It doesn't get better. Well, we'll be back there pretty pretty shortly. Copper opens on Monday. This, this coming Monday. Are you going to be there? Yeah, the 13th. Yeah, I'm at this rate, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there. What do you think the, their park's going to be? Same oh, they'll one. Have, they'll, have a, they'll have one jump. It'll but, be like a, to the lookers left of the half pipe, you think, again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have one jump bunch of rails everyone will be stoking yeah everyone will be stoking well uh what's 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 the winner morphing into let's let's tap into your your love for surfing right now because you spent well, how many years in breckenridge in breck i think like full five years and then like it was like 10 months in denver so i think like the whole thing together is like around six but like yeah four five six years right now have been just all snowboarding no matter what, I kind of stopped going to hood because I realized I needed to work and that you don't make any money going to Mount Hood. But uh, I needed to work a little bit, so I stopped doing that. But I was chasing snow no matter what. I would try to get as many days as possible. And then before all that even occurred, I, I, I want to say it was Thanksgiving that year that you came out. You must have been there a little bit before that for like opening days and stuff. Yeah. But we were in the lift line at Breckenridge and... Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, you know how it goes in oh those boy. lines. It gets crazy. I think we like went through the singles line and ended up in the line and some. I, I literally don't know which one you're talking about. I'm trying yeah. to like filter yeah. through. We there's like two or three serious ones. Yeah. Are you talking about the one where we ended up on the phone with Big Homie? No, yeah, no, okay. that's a good story though. That's but no, one. this is leading into the surfing. But we were in the line. Some dad got overzealous and angry with us, and we're yelling at him and stuff. And we finally got in the chair. We're like not heated anymore. You're like, yo. I'm getting in my car tonight. I need to get out of here and I'm going to Baja. And I'm like, Mexico driving. And you're like, yeah, get in the car. Let's just go. And we're going to go surfing. This was pre-Thanksgiving because we were going to go do Friendsgiving at That's Nikki right. Fix-It's. It was just the week this of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving week, yep. So Hell Breckenridge, week, call it, yeah, if Hell you week. are an employee at a resort. It's gnarly. So you just were like, yo, I'm going. And I don't, I did not care about working back then. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm going. Let's go. And then Celia Miller came, which is a whole whole different thing. But we ended up in in SoCal for a bit. I don't even remember. Went to the Frog House, met Jamal, Nick's, all that. And then we ended up at Scotty's. And I am in the, Mexico. In Mexico. The most out of my element I've ever been. I've never gone camping as a kid. My parents didn't do that. I've never like I've slept We a, don't have the Mexico house at this point, correct? No, you we are living in the back of Scotty B, who uh we've recorded a podcast episode with in the back of his house. I've I've spent five to six years of my life in the back of Scotty B's house with so many different people and scenarios and the the landscape shifts. We've done literally landscaping back there to fit more cars. And yeah, we came down for, it's always amazing introducing new people to Mexico and to surfing and all that, but specifically to Scotty B, like when people need just a little talk with someone, it's like, he's, he's none of these, but he's a mix between like a shaman and a guru and a father mm. and a, and a, it's just like all these little just subtleties. He's just wow, wise man who doesn't need much information 
to read the situation. He can just go off of your energy. And so I like kind of setting people up at certain times and dropping them off in front of Scotty's and being like, I'm going to go grab a drink over here or something. Or I'm going to paddle out and just let them sit there and, and just get talked to. And like, oh yeah. So, so continue what happened with Scotty in Mexico yeah. and the vortex when you're sitting on the front of the, where the water and the land meet right underneath the left hand of Jesus. What happened? Michael? Yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was God. Like I have videos I'll never delete from my phone. It's just, you hear the sound of the rocks and you, that's when the sun was setting on the other side. So that was, yeah, during Thanksgiving, it was just magic. And Scotty's just tapping into basically everything you, you know, and what you've done, but like lightly, you're like, how, how, how could he like even know that's how I'm feeling during something like this. And yeah, that was, that was my first time talking to Scotty B and that changed my life for sure. But he also tells you as soon as you roll up during that time, at least that he, he got like robbed three times by gunpoint and knife point and they killed a couple people for him or whatever people coming to his house. He's, he's getting beat up, shot at. And this is my first time out of the country camping pretty much because we're sleep. We don't sleep inside. Casey's got his van. I slept on like a couch out back. Jamal slept out front. I have a bunch of gnarly people with me, so we'll be good. Yeah. But I'm hoping it doesn't rain. Yeah. I'm sitting there like, this is so crazy. Like I'm going to die tonight. But other than that, yeah, that was the first time I tried surfing and the rudest awakening ever because like everybody in their head, they're like, Oh, I'll be good at surfing. Like you just, I snowboard, I skateboard, I'll be fine. And then the paddling thing comes in and it's like, a whole, it's a it's the gym. It's exercising. You've never gone to the gym before. You've never done that exercise. Good luck doing it for two minutes straight as hard as you can to get out. So yeah. And then I just saw you guys like in my head, ripping, going down the line, doing everything. And I'm like, I, I could do that. But it's like, uh, not now, but I probably could. Classic snowboarding. It's just impossible as a snowboarder to not see surfing and think, oh my God, I would rip that thing. I would rip that thing. Oh, Getting on that thing. Get out of your head. Get out, get it out of your head. <laughs> Unless you're freaking nature. It's got to happen out there sometimes. But I don't think that can happen. It's... You can't just go out and know how to paddle. I mean- not even know. Maybe it does. But like, come on. There's no way someone just can ju can just paddle for two minutes straight and duck dive and not be tired if they've never yeah, done it before. Just just pick up no a way. shortboard and paddle out. There's literally years of long boards that you don't even want to be riding with amounts of foam that you don't want to be paddling around on before you can even start to navigate what's going on out there. Oh, and the amount of times you go through your head and think you should be on something smaller because it feel, it'll feel better or, oh, I would have done that turn better if it was smaller. I got to get in a smaller board. You don't. Don't use as much foam as possible. <laughs> as long as you can. <laughs> yep. All right. I want to uh, take a break, give a couple shout outs to, we got a question from a patron member and a new, a new joiner. That's what you call it. A new patron. We got Smoke Jensen coming through, joining the Patreon. We appreciate you, brother. And Patreon is where you can drop questions like this, you can send us direct messages and get your questions featured in the pod. And we got uh, we got the Stoke fam over here, basically claiming big hellos from Mount Snow. Max and I are really looking forward to this season edits. Last season's edits were out of control. Are you thinking about doing any traveling this winter, like Europe, Japan, or the East Coast? Hint, hint. 
Be good and stay healthy. Please give a pound to Jamal, Mike Green, TCAP, and Daly for me. Today is your golden age from Eric and Max Ott. So thank you guys for the stoke. We're going to be all over the place. Good question. That's why I wanted to touch on your surfing before we jumped into this question because I'll be on the East Coast for sure. We just started planning a Narvi tour from the West Coast to the East Coast. And it's kind of right around money time or money mic time, which is the holiday time where Verde is trying to stack up Brad. He's going back to Brack where he can crash with his bro for cheap snowboard, still be stoked and try to make as much money and save as much as he can so that you can do what? What's 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 the full plan? Are you going to go to Japan? Are you going to be snowboarding on the East Coast at all? I mean, I don't know about the East Coast. I would like to. That'd be cool. But I, I would just go pretty much when you go. My family fully moved out of the East Coast besides my little sister, Jessica. So I do have somewhere to stay, but not sure about the East. I would love to send Japan with you guys for sure because that is just number one the best snowboarding ever. If you've never been to Japan, you should probably go. Number two, it's perfect timing for me because when we do go to Japan, it normally means February, late January, something like that. And that's kind of when my time limit is for being sane and working too much. So yeah, but besides all that, I moved to California last winter and yeah. Basically... No matter how amazing your life is, five or six years of living in the Mecca of snowboarding, things get not old, but familiar, too familiar. And you want to switch it up. You want to get the stoke. And I guess when you came to Mexico, he got a little fire lit up inside of him, which most snowboarders do with a decently long career. And then you get into the water, like we talked about in the beginning from going from skateboarding to snowboarding and then snowboarding to surfing. It's just like all of those sports started from surfing. So yep. once you get the other two dialed, you almost feel like, damn, I need to dial in this third one. I have to. And, it, and everybody knows it's like, it's, like a, it's like a perfect trifecta. That's like the ultimate shred thing. Shred, surf, snow, skate. That's like, that's what that portion of action sports is. Like snow, surf, skate is different than motocross and is different from like these BMX other sports, and, you know, for, yeah. for some reason. And um, yeah, so where are you, where are you going? What are you doing? Oh yeah. I just, I just loved what surfing did to me. Oh yeah. Lead into Oceanside. Yeah. Outside of, outside of surfing, you have to be physically fit. I mean, if you're starting at 31, like me, I guess if you're a Grom or you're 15 or you're even 20, you don't really have to care about what you're doing, but you're still fit though. You're, you're fit. And it just tapped me back into like my body again. I just realized that surfing so physical in and out of the water that I need to start eating healthy again. I need to go to the gym again. I used to love going to the gym in high school and in college and I stopped because I started snowboarding and whatever. So it just got me back in shape and it got me disciplined again because you got to be up early. You can't surf at one. Yep. The wind's the wrong way. The waves are blown out. It doesn't work. So you have to be out there early. You have to make sure you didn't eat something that makes you have a stomach ache the next day. And there's so many factors. So it's just like, I fell in love with that. It made me love like, just like working on myself again. And also you're out in the water and you're just by yourself in oh. your brain. You're not just doing this. Like you could on look your at your phone. phone all day and not even think about your own problems for so long. Yeah. And when you're, when you're in the water in between sets waiting for waves, you're, it's therapy almost maybe for some people it's the opposite. Yep. But yeah, so I just loved what it did. I moved to California and then we went to Indo this summer and I kind of realized that's where life is supposed to be right now. <coughs> 
it's just California is a dream, but it's such a grind. It's so expensive. You told me this. You're like, yo, just stay in Mexico. And I'm like, I need to get a job and go to California. You're like, you're going to spend so much money on rent. And I'm like, I just got to do it. You know, people can't tell you what to do. You're just no matter yeah. what. So I just went and then immediately in Indo, I'm like, I got to get the yeah, well, twelve. Out of if, there. Even if you have twenty grand, twelve hundred bucks a month. Twelve months later, you're, you're out of twenty grand just on the rent. That's not anything else. That's not paying seven dollars a gallon, or you know, for gas or for a, a thing of broccoli. It's just five dollars these days in Southern California. So yeah, it's it's insane. But I noticed, yeah, you had a shift. I mean, we hang out for years, and like you said, you didn't really care about what was going on. Maybe a couple of lifts here and there, a couple of yoga sessions, eat whatever, freaking gummy bears, Snickers, doesn't matter, and then. Yeah, now that you say that, you have that was the transformation. Go, getting on a surfboard is the most humbling thing. I think that's why I love it so much, is because it's freaking gnarly. It dials you in, snowboard forces like, you. Showing up to the mountain at nine o'clock is not that gnarly. Like the, the backcountry people, the people that are always up early and hiking are like getting to the mountain resorts early and waiting in line. You know, a lot of people are still doing it gnarly, but at the end of the day, like surfing, like you said, midwinter or like springtime, like you got to be up at 4 a.m. and you got to hunt and drive around and when it's big and it starts getting good like you're getting really annihilated and you get like wake up calls real quick and then you realize how when they're bigger they're easier and you can do more stuff but now i'm not endured enough to do Navigate. to get out yes i've been denied i've had the yep. best days ever at oceanside and then it was six foot one day yep and i couldn't get out yep but i could surf i was able to do stuff and i'm like wow this is because i'm not <laughs> physically fit enough to yep. paddle as hard as I can for seven minutes straight getting through the whitewash with a foamy. Yeah. If you don't have cardio completely dialed, if you don't have, I mean, if you see people who smoke, who just like randomly think they're just going to go out in the water and you know what I mean? You're like, they've been smoking for 10 years and it's just, you don't even get past the shore break before these people get like, you see in their eyes, like their eyes glaze over. Yo, yo, yo. Like I'm in danger right now. And you're like, this is, yeah, this is reality. This is those three to four footers are called one footers. You know, like that's not even a wave that took you on the shore break there. So it's, I think that's like the being up early, the discipline, the making sure, like you said, everything you're doing when you're trying to get better at surfing, like you're really focused on it. The things you're eating at night, you can't slip up and have a snack because like you said, everybody knows you're going to have a stomach ache the next morning. If you have a stomach ache, then like you can't maybe just drink enough water. Like you can't do the things that you yep. need to do to be dialed. Everything that goes into your body is literally some type of green supplement, nutrients, some type of organic produce. Like you're just, you're so on point because you're scared that you're going to die out there. That's it. I think that's why I love it. Yeah. And it's just, it totally ties into you too because it just, it keeps you on it. And you like to be on it, whether you're surfing or not. But surfing was that like thing that I was like so focused on. It was like, this is definitely going to keep me on it. Like, sure. I was like in snowboarding when I was getting better. I'm like, I want to progress. And, but I wasn't like, I got to eat perfectly now yep. or I need to sleep. Per like, I don't know, yeah. get up early and stretch. Just like show up to the mountain at 11 when the sun is up high in the sky. Yep. And just go. Then you yeah. combo that with something new. Like you said, just a complete change of scenery, getting out of the country, getting into the water, immersing yourself in a substance that you're not only made up from, but that you came from. Like, it's pretty obvious that, well, I think 90% of the population lives by the coasts. Like, we're, we're supposed to be water creatures. And I think we had actually a question here. Somebody was asking about Utah and how I feel with the new move being landlocked. And, uh, I mean, I was in... 
the river in two days. I was in Utah for two days and I was in waist deep, ankle deep river, just stoking, floating, plunge, like cold plunge dip style. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't really, just because I've moved somewhere, like I move my things there. I don't actually live there. We'll be all over the place, but not only was I there for like two and a half weeks, three weeks before I was like, yo, I did everything I can do, bolted to Mexico. Um, they have a huge, I think the first ever floating standing wave in, in Southern Utah. Utah, massive, badass no freaking wave. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to go hit that thing up. Sick. Drop. All right, we're jumping back into this. We got the G of the week presented to you by Athlete Studio, the number one e-commerce platform for athletes. They support my website as well, caseywillax.com. If you guys are trying to cop any, you love to hear it, merch or Casey Willax gear, back to the Stoke stuff. We got all types of new designs and we got, they're giving away $100 and $50 in credit to one and a second person. One person, the first one is going to be the hundo credit. It's the G of the week picked by Verde. Who do we got here? This is Caden Paulson. Absolute gangster out of uh, Colorado. Not really sure where he's from. And seeing you crush it, my guy. Ooh, yeah, the drip. You love to see. From where? I'm not sure where he's from, but he lives in Colorado now. He spent a year in the backcountry, I think, last year. But Ooh. he's been putting out these parts and... He's just a G. Absolutely rips. Yeah, hopefully we got some some baggy enough stuff for him. You know what I'm saying? Caden, is that what it was? Caden, yeah. He's he's young. He's he's yeah, he's gonna crush it. Just keep going. Keep Sick. ripping. Caden Paulson, G of the week, numero uno, brought to you by Athlete Studio. And then we have a second chance to win a fifty dollar coupon to my website. And all you have to do is on Instagram tag YLTH hashtag YLTHI podcast and just be rocking any of the merch that you got. And we're going to pick somebody who's been supporting and we're going to style you guys out even more. So we got the second person here, Katrina Thompson. And I picked this one because she's literally dipping an apple in honey. Oh, yeah, she knows exactly what's going on. Fruit, meat and honey. It's your boys are all about right now. So oh. we're going to send you guys uh, some credits to caseyblocks.com so you can get, get dialed in. And yeah, we want to say huge shout out and huge love to Athlete Studio for supporting the pod. And we're going to jump into some questions that I think Verde will be able to help out with. Not not too difficult here, so you don't have to... Are you, you're not nervous, right? I'm doing all right. I think we're chilling. This is just a homie cool charts asked. This was on the Instagram. Free love to hear it as well. We're picking questions from all over the place, but... Cool Charts asked for the podcast, can you explain what fakey switch, et cetera, is for grinding? On a skateboard or on a snowboard? Because so that matters. Yeah, maybe, maybe take it from the top. All the way on back. a skateboard. Well, cab originally is, is Steve Caballero and it was skateboarding. And when you're going, when you're riding a skateboard, it's one or the other. You're either popping with the front of your board or the back of your board. If you're riding regular and you pop from the front, that's a nollie. If you pop from the back, that's an ollie. If you switch your stance and you do it from the back, that's a switch ollie. If you do it from the front, it's fakey. In, but 
it's cab at the same time because it was invented by Steve Caballero. So a fakie ollie is a cab. Oh, this is bad, dude. It this gets is, crazy. It gets complex because when snowboarding adapted it, you can jump and not even really use like a, a true cab or a, a true fakie pop. Switch front side. Switch front side. And we actually adapted the word cab to just mean spinning front side your switch stance. Yep. So if I'm getting this all right, it's, it's for, there's like a couple words you mess up then you get it all wrong. But in skateboarding, cab is when you're popping fakie, which is switch stance. <laughs> and it's a cabalarial, I think. So yes, it's like Steve a Caballero. fakie 360. Which would be a full cab, Steve cab, full or cab. a half cab. Yep. So I don't even know if a regular cab is just a, a fakie ollie, but if you go back to the Tony Hawk days, it's all in, the, it's all in skate and you, can, and you can base it off of that. But in yep. snowboarding, they came up with something called true cab. And that's when you're coming in switch and you spin switch front side, but you pop off of your switch front foot. Marcus Cleveland does this all the time oh on the Lord. jump. But yeah. don't look at him and expect to know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, no. That's a whole scenario. So cab <clears throat> in snowboarding is literally just spinning. I'm regular stance, so my front foot is left going forwards. If I switch over to my other stance and I'm riding goofy foot, which would be switch for me with my right foot facing forwards, and I spin to the right front side, you can either call it switch front side or you can just call it cab. If you do a 360, cab three or cab five. If you pop off that tail, that switch right foot nose, then it's true cab. I hope I did that right. You did it very correctly. A little bit, a little yeah. bit of controversial. I, I wanted just, you to answer, but I had to dive in there. Yeah, there's just some people out there who are real strict on it. Shout out Chad Otterstrom. <laughs> if you call something a cap five around him and you don't pop off the switch nose, he's adds a switch front side. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, he, so he's not even giving it cap. Absolutely not. Really? Unless you true cap it. Wow. So yeah, he's he's true one cap of those or bust. OG legend. Respect. Doesn't let it happen. Um. And so he said for grinding and that, if you thought that was confusing, just skip over the next part because what we're going to explain is on top of that. When you are approaching a rail, that's when there's, there's uh, it's, it's not up for debate. This is a guarantee thing, but some people are confused with what's front side, what's backside. You want to give an easy breakdown of that? An easy one, I guess, if you're approaching the rail and the rail is in front of you. On your? On your toes. That's a, like, say you're doing a board side, it's a front side board side. It's in front of you. I guess that's the easiest way to explain it. And you're bored and you do a front board. Yep. And then if the rail is behind you and your heel cups, then it's a backside board side. And just to clarify that, because some people might be thinking that you can do a front side board side from the left side of the rail, but they're allying over the rail. It's a completely different trick. Now that's a lip slide because you've gone over the rail. A board slide is only if you turn 90 degrees. So if you're on your toe side and you're approaching the rail to do a board slide, you can only turn 90 without going over the rail. If and you've gone over the rail, then it then it turns into a lip slide. Lip. But <clears throat> because the rail is still in front of you, it's still a front side lip slide. If the rail's behind you and you go backboard, just a little backside board slide, it's a backboard. And then if you ollie over it and do what would have been a front board, it's a back lip. And then to confuse confuse it even more, if you're thinking about it, to do a backside board slide, you're spinning halfway front side to get to a board slide. So spinning is the opposite of what you think with rails. Yes. So if you just ignore that part, you should be kind of okay. Yeah. But that's what confuses people is that yep. you're spinning front side on to do a backside board slide. Just ignore the spin part and just know that the rail when you're snowboarding to the level where it starts to even matter, there will be a lip in front of the rail. 
you won't be able to just ride straight on. So that's also what confuses people in the beginning is that you're jumping on a rail from the, from the straight and you don't actually decipher what's left and what's right of the rail. There should be what they call an urban style ollie onto a rail. And that's when you even start naming your tricks. And honestly, if you went directly from the front, we'd call it a front lip or a back lip, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. We got a good question here. Not that this relates to you or anything. Steven Brown, this came in on the text message. You guys can also shoot us texts and get notifications. 1-860-200-1536. Shoot us a text and we'll give you updates on the podcast, updates on the merch drops, a bunch of new stuff early before anybody else. And you can, we have a lot of people on there. I try to answer as many questions as I can, DMs. It's like a messaging thing, but uh, yeah, potentially get your questions featured in a podcast here. And we got the homie Stephen Brown who sent in a message and said, how do old school snowboarders keep themselves sponsored? I feel like it's gotten harder to keep or find help in this expansive hobby. I mean, there's just so many different avenues of it nowadays. I feel like it used to be if you wanted to be sponsored, you had to be nasty. If you wanted any support, you had to be very, very good at the top of the rankings and everything, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, as an old school snowboarder, I mean, you can get help by just posting every single day, how to, strapping your bindings in and riding down, not even speaking to the camera. So, I mean, I'm, you don't even have to go out and say, well, you don't have back 14s there, bud. You're not going to get sponsored anymore. It's like, really? You kind of got to just find your niche. Like, what if you love hiking and you love backcountry? You're not doing the gnarliest shit in the world, but you're just hiking to the back of a local little hill and riding fresh pow. You film yourself doing that and post it. You just get relevant. People like to watch it because they're sitting on their couch thinking about going <laughs> to do that, but they don't do it. So they watch you. Yeah, so you could just you could stay relevant by just staying relevant on this thing on the phone. And I think a crucial part to doing that is you hear it so often, but just vulnerability. A lot of the sphere sphere has changed and you used to be able <clears throat> to kind of be in the shadows and just put the full parts out because that's what it was. That's what sponsors knew. That's what, you know, video parts were happening. And like, you can still hundred percent take that route and we need people to be taking that route. But if you're not the best of the best and you're not creating the best project and you don't have budget for stuff like that. And yeah, you're an older rider and you're trying to stay relevant. You have to start creating content. You have to find some, if you have a decent following, some people who look up to you, who want to, to get to your level and who are down to help work for you for a small rate or almost for free so that you can teach them the things that they want to do to get to the level that you're at. And you can get the advancements from, I always say it, you need younger kids. You need kids in their young 20s who are super intuitive to what's going on currently and, and not and stop listening to older people. Like I hate to say that, but unless there's like older people that are like super staying on point with the things that are happening that are new. You can't be listening to older people because those things are dying. You have to listen to the younger kids. And as a younger kid, you need to work for free and you need to grind and you need to put yourself in the position to surround yourself with the people who are going to teach you to do the things that you want to do. And which will lead back to the original question of how do you stay relevant? You got to be vulnerable. You got to let people make edits of you and not worry about it not being the best thing that you've ever put out or what people are going to think about you because it's just the age of content and people are just trying to watch stuff. And anybody who's trying to watch stuff is 
isn't the people that aren't going to be stoked on your stuff that might hate or whatever. Like all that, sh all that shit is irrelevant. You need to build a following so that you can supply your sponsors with views or sales or something to give back to them so that they can make money so they can continue to go full circle and pay you and, and keep flowing you boards and everything. Yeah. Just having skill doesn't just speak for itself anymore. You got to like have the face to the skill. Yeah. You got to show it because yeah. you could be as nasty as you want, but if nobody knows then, you know, and I always try to say that there's like a balance too, because I don't want the best riders. If you're really, really good and you're trying to take your professional snowboarding career seriously, I do not suggest spending two to three hours a day making TikTok videos and trying to be relevant in that manner. And I do not suggest, you know, just, just doing stuff that isn't like practicing. Like you need to be getting eight hours of sleep. You need to be eating proper. You need to be riding. And so that's why I like throwing something out there. Like, Hey, does anybody want to, I, I don't know how you could go about getting the budget, reaching out to the sponsors to let them know like, Hey, I'm, I want to approach this new way of, of filming and editing, getting content. Like, can you support me up front? This is what we've done. I know the sphere is changing. Send them a pitch deck. Like people underestimate how far pitch deck goes. These sponsors are professional companies. And if you actually hand something to them that like says, this is who we are, this is what we're doing. This is our plan. This is how we can incorporate you. And like, you actually have an idea. It's so much different than just rocking up being like, yo, I shred. No one's paying me any money. Like I've, or I've been a G for a minute, you know, like, why is, why is this guy getting paid now? He's not doing the same things. It's like, you have to look at it from the sponsor's point of view and what's going to bring them a, a return on investment is obviously smart, but also like what's going to grow their brand and, and be in alignment with it. And if the whole sphere is changing, then you have to freaking, you have to adapt. It's a whole different world now. Now you can <coughs> be extremely relevant and sponsored if you can't even hit a jump. You yep. see some dudes just riding around groomers and talking them their way through it. And there's more people who do that than there's people who are jumping and doing, you know, back tens. So like you could be relevant if you just like riding the hill, if you know, that's a whole different conversation, but yeah. Sick. I got a surprise for you here too. What do we got? This is on the spot. I have no idea what we're about to click play on. Oh, wow. Who sent it? Oh, what up crew? Stoked to hear about the podcast oh, wow. today with my brother, Mike as a feature on it. Mike, I actually have a question for you. <laughs> Uh, if I'm a nine to fiver and I want to maybe travel and see the world a bit, but I'm tight on budget, do you have any tips for me to go see things, do things while not spending a ton of money on traveling to all these different hotels and cars and rentals and flights? How do you make it happen? How do you do it? Because I'm locked in on this and I want to go see the world. So how do I make it happen? Wow, we got a real we got a Big real Dan. question. That's not like for the people. He wants to know. Literally. Wow. I, I already know where you're going with this one. It's got to lead to what I wanted to actually talk about too, was Japan. Yeah. But I mean, to answer that question vaguely, it's just the biggest sacrifices you can think of. Nine to fiver, who wants to travel the world? Now there's so many things going on in my head. Do you have a car payment? How much is your rent? Yeah. What's the first thing you did? Go start with the first one. You got to delete things. rent. Well, no, the or, first thing. The first thing. You just got to delete the car payment. Casey, after Mount Hood, I think you came to... Um, Breckenridge and I still had my Subaru. I was making a car payment. It was like $500 a month and you just laughed at me. You wanted to go somewhere else. I was like, oh, I got to work and you're just like, you're, you, that thing's sitting in here and you can't go anywhere because of it? And I'm like, wow, you're so right. So yeah, shout out to you for that because you have put more money in my pocket just because of not paying a car payment my whole... Yeah, that was the biggest thing ever. You don't need a car that's that nice. 
we have 98 forerunners, oh, 200,000 miles, and they keep going. They keep going. You they change going. the oil, you start learning stuff. You're, but yeah, the biggest sacrifice from that is the money thing. You got to format a budget and cut out everything if you want to start doing that. But Dan's question is so vague, like nine to fiver. If you want to travel and go see the world, you don't have much time, you better stay in hostels and not like everyone like tries to book stuff and whatever. Like, I don't know. That's what I wanted to lead into when we went to Japan the first time. Having and a plan. You. You might have still had your car at this time. You might have still been Mike Green, car payment, rent, and everything. And you were literally like, Where are we going? What do we, what do you mean? We're flying to Japan right now. Like, should we get this place? You're like looking at it. And I was like, Don't worry about it. We're just going to Japan. You're like, dude, we're gonna land and and we landed in freaking Tokyo and we're just looking around at signs. And he's like, Are you joking, dude? What are we doing? It's like don't worry. We're going to ask this guy, yo, buddy, how do we get five hours over there? He's like, uh, you got a lot of stuff, but you start off by doing this. And we're like, all right, cool. Boom. We did that. And it's just like, I, I all ended up working out so good in the end. And we took like a train and a bus and we ended up at a hostel and we rolled in and we spent like almost no money and got so dialed in, but it was the <coughs> faith of just going and knowing that you're going to be good. Like having confidence in a, in a straight, like jet black vision. Like when you picture, like you've never been to Japan, but you want to go to Japan, close your eyes and try to envision it. You're just like, you got fucking nothing, 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 dude. And you got I got on a plane and yeah, you formatted I, some I, image of Japan. Yeah. I still trip out when I'm like, Oh, should we go to El Salvador? It's like, it's an hour North of Nicaragua, which I spend years at. And I'm just like, well, nothing. Like you just can't get a vision of it. And it's like, if you can find faith in, I don't mean faith as in like faith. I mean like, just like faith in yourself and who you are and like the ability that you have to talk to people and humanity and like work situations out. You're not going to freaking die. Like they have, they have hotels. You're not going to die. You know, I think we actually ended up getting the first night we got a hotel in Tokyo. That's right. We ended up getting a, a hostel and we stayed like somewhere local. Yep. And we got blazing sushi and we just asked the people around us. And like, when you live like that, you're allowed to, you get so many more things that you can just jump on. Like an opportunity presents itself and you're not all booked out. Someone's like, yo, you can just come crash over here for free. You're like, oh, I almost just booked oh, a place for 200 bucks. Yeah, oh, let's pay go. Eight days yeah. already here and with no refund. Um, so, so yeah, it, like you said, it's kind of vague because you need more details and it needs to be more specific conversation. Like, are you quitting this job? Do you just have one week, you know, yeah. or, you know, because having a wider time to schedule a flight will allow you to get, to get half the price on the, on the ticket that you buy and being able to buy a one way, you know what I mean? You get half of the, half of it there and that you don't need to keep doing round trips. You can go from one spot to, to another, but like you said, just being humble crashing in hostels and just having faith in like people helping you out, being a good person, making people food if they let you crash at their spot and then pass that on to the next person and just like constantly giving, bartering and trading and stuff with people, just getting everybody stoked. It's like, yeah, you just, you gotta be a good person for sure. But yeah, it's the end of the day. Stop going to the fucking bar. Yeah. Stop going out on Friday and Saturday night and spending $195 and not remembering on Sunday. Just, just stop doing that.
and stop going to convenience stores and going inside and buying Gatorades and 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 Kit Kats because that that's five bucks. And stop going to Starbucks and spending seven dollar coffees. All those things like you need to live like you're on vacation when you're at home because when you're on vacation, you're like I'm going home. I'm selling my stuff. I'm moving out here. This is it. Everybody knows this is this is how you. I'm, I, yep. This is it, dude. Like, and yep. then you go home and it's like first couple of days you you might sell a couple of things. Second day you're kind of chilling. Third day you're just like whatever. Back into the routine and and, and a couple of weeks go by and. <clears throat> You're just reminiscent of the time that you went to. Did it even Cancun? Happen? Yeah, Tulum. <sighs> Did it even happen? But yeah, I guess for Dan's question, if if you are that person, it's it's not impossible. This this is all gonna sound crazy, but all you do is you write. You basically look at everything you pay for. You look at your entire budget. Look at stuff you can eliminate. Eliminate all of it. Then see how much money you make doing what you're doing versus how much rent you're paying for. If you don't have a car, perfect. And then you start, you just start saving, save, save, save. And then this is the hardest part. If you want to travel somewhere for a month, you better have two months of your rent paid for. Because if you left on November 1st, you paid November. As soon as you're back on November 28th, you pay December. Most people are paying fucking $1,500 a month. So you better have three grand already aside, then the flight, then your housing, wherever you're going to be, then your food there. So if you can eliminate the R word, which is so hard to do for so many people because I don't know, that's where you live. That's where all your stuff is. Get a beater, live in it. What stuff do you really use every single day? It's the dream if you have a parent's house and you can keep some stuff in their basement, but some people already relocated across the nation. And what I did, it hurt, but I threw out all those shirts I never wear that, oh, maybe, nope, they're all gone. Yeah, you don't need it. You're paying a storage fee at at top dollar. Yep, my end table, I threw in the trash. My desk is gone. I have two bins. It's gotta go. I have all my snowboard gear, my snowboards, tools to work on my car, and my surfboards and that's it now. And now I'm able to go so many different places. I had some people message me when I was in Indo for like two months, like, yo, do you have a job? How do you, are you rich? And I'm just like, no, but I also don't go home to a cozy little bedroom and have all my sheets nice and washed. Like I do sometimes, you know, but I sacrificed all the comfort, you know, and I learned that from you because you've been doing that since you were like 16 years old. And it's, I've done so much just by sacrificing the normal things that they're not normal. People just made them seem normal. Everyone's got to have a nice car. You got to have something that with a warranty and uh, all the comfort, all the comfortable things are the reasons why people just can't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. out on the comfort and you'll be Gucci. I think we need to give some tips to people on how to get, banger GoPro follow shots because we all know that you're a freaking legend behind the lens. What, what, how, what, what, what's the deal? I mean, there's two factors for sure. Having someone who's good at riding too. And also you, I knew nothing about settings. So like you got to figure out the settings, go on the Tim Humphreys pod, get that little 30 second clip of where he says, just do this. Yep. That thing blew up. Yep. But yeah, I don't know settings. So Casey got everything set up and I just get closer than you think. I don't know. I've been riding for a while. So I, you'll see me, I don't know. I'm good at keeping the camera super steady. Sometimes in the shot, you'll see me. I am flailing in the air, but I somehow have my arm dead straight. It's almost, it's like a passion. Cause like, I don't want to mess up the shot, but 
to someone who just wants to start filming with their boy, just like figure out settings for sure. You can't just open up the GoPro and film, right? Like mm-hmm. you can. Yeah. But. Well, you, yeah, I, I have that aspect dialed and I kind of just tell you what it's on and then you position yourself based off that. Super wide like, versus be like, wide. Yo, are you on wide or super wide? I, yeah. Yeah. You can, because if I'm shooting in 4K, then you could be further away. So if I'll put it on super wide, I'm like, yo, you can actually be super close. But if it's on wide, I'm like, yo, you could be far away. I'm going to crop in on this. You're like, just tell me where to be and I'll be yeah. there. I think being a nasty rider is crucial. You have to know how to ride because there are definitely moments where I am doing things out of my brain just to stay. I'm still snowboarding, but then I'm trying to get as close as I can to you in the air. I'm also falling backwards as I'm falling forwards because I'm gaining on you in the air. So you multitask. There's a lot going on with the snowboard part, but you're switching back and forth between what part of your brain you're using and you're like using you're focusing on the filming part with your riding as your peripherals and then you're riding as your main part with your filming as your peripherals and you're going back and forth between I those guess two. Because most people doing this like don't snowboard as much as we do. If you are filming your boy and you're trying to crush it, the GoPro's amazing. Just point where you think he's going to be and focus on your riding. Because I've seen so many people overshoot jumps by 50 feet filming their friend because they're trying they're to catch up on to them their friend yeah and they're you know so like gopros are so good you could just point and, and point so and is ride. dji by the way i want to throw this out there dji is just as good if not way better than gopro but we've just always used oh, gopro wow. because that's just what we've been yeah, using but uh what you were saying about pointing the arm a little more than you think like exaggerate it yeah because if someone's going up you got to go up if especially going down you got to go down so just because you're going flat across the knuckle, they're popping up. You got to remember, you got to point that thing up and you got to bring that thing down to where they're landing. A lot of people kind of just yep. a little up, little down, and you don't want to, you don't want to cut off the head. You don't want to also have a plan. I mean, yeah. Don't how'd that one go? Don't just drop in and go. Not that we did. We didn't even do that, but switch you know, back five, back seven. Oh my God. Cut to that clip. That is one of the funniest things ever. Casey told me at the top of the break jumps. Yeah, I could probably pull it up. Yeah. Phone. Yeah. We got it on the screen. Literally switch back five, back seven. So in my head, he is spinning left and then right. So I'm going to, follow him accordingly so i could stay super close on the shot and he ended up having no speed after the switchback five yep and was trying as hard as he could and spinning front side made would make him have to rotate one more one more piece onto his heels and lose speed so he just stayed on his toes the whole time did a back sev no 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 or is that other way i I, I said back sev but i threw front side because i didn't have a speed and you can dump you can like chuck a front seven depending on the situation he got more speed for that trick yes and i chucked front seven said you were on the left and you were next to me and i was gonna go and i stopped focusing on him because i was like all i have to do is film this. I knew exactly my plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So when he's wasn't even seeing his edge changing, anybody could tell he's doing what trick you're doing on the lip. I just (laughs) didn't even know. So I let him do it. And we, the super wide, doesn't even do it justice. We are this close to each other. It's a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. So have a plan. Ask your boy, are you spinning front side or backside? Get what a plan. Yeah, true. You want to have the person's body facing the camera. It's always better yeah. than a booty shot. Great rule of thumb. And then having like switch and regular filmers are so good because he's regular, I'm regular. So I'll be if I was trying to ride next to him on the jumps, I'd be filming like this. So I just ride goofy. So it's just easier because then I can just front side point at him easier. I'm not going over my shoulder. So yeah, switching stance at every moment is 
crucial and yeah just being fast and on it waxing your board i like that what do we have here all right this is a new segment i don't have a name for it yet and it's not sponsored by anybody we're also still taking sponsors for the podcast if you guys would like to support that you love to hear it hit us up we got an email in the in the description you can find it pretty easily got a big back wall right there got a big back wall and uh yeah this is something i thought of we'll call it guess that direction all right you're gonna see a heavy trick a heavy spin booter and you got but you're not gonna see the takeoff you're oh gonna this see is so hard 20% after the takeoff and you got to decide whether they were which direction they were spinning. You could just do say goofy footed frontside backside or right you don't you don't have to know. Um it's Valentino. I'll, I think I'll know once they land. It's Valentino and I'm pretty sure Valentino's regular. I thought he was I'll, I I think I'll know once he lands. Woo! Goofy or regular foot takeoff? I know it's front side, but I just... Well, you know it's it's left spin. Is yeah. Because it... Yeah, literally. You need to tell us what stance they are when they took off and which what their spin was. Do the, do the landing one more time. That's how I land like a back nine sometimes, how the, the whip was right there. So I feel like... Like so, basically, I don't know it can if only he's be goofy. I think he spent goofy backside. You thought he took off goofy footed and spun backside. Yes. Okay, and then extra credit. How many spins do you think it was? That was probably a. I don't know his stance, so that was either a switchback twelve or a switchback sixteen, or a back twelve or a back sixteen. I just don't know what his stance is. Give us a twelve or a sixteen. Which one do you think it was? One more time. Twelve. You know. <laughs> switch back 12 I don't know his stance it looks like he it's Valentino you got the question right he's goofy footed and he spun backside I don't honestly know I'm pretty sure it's a 16 yeah that, yeah. now that I saw I thought the first part of the spin didn't happen that quick yeah that's a switch back 16 Ooh! All right. that's a hard one and I only know this because <laughs> of Asher and Cy you think <laughs> <laughs> Not even the trick, just guessing at the trick. I don't even think about how hard that That's is. That's good. That's a good segment, though, That's right? A good, I like that. If yeah. you had a big company, you'd want, you'd probably want to throw yeah. a little disc down. I like, like that. Claim the segment. I like that because a lot of people Support are going to be very confused on that one. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll somehow get that into a post and then we'll have people be able to continue to guess on it like before it actually drops in the episode. I mean, if you show anybody who doesn't board regularly a 540, they don't know what Well, happened. that's basically your options are either front side a regular stance front side spin or a goofy stanced backside spin. Yeah. Like those are it's basically a 50-50. Yeah. And then the extra credit is just how many spins went down. Yeah. I first thought front side, but then I saw how he landed and I wait yeah. till I get someone and they're just so confused because it's a Marcus Cleveland clip and he does like a uh, full two step butter and I'm like on the lip. How do you take off? Yeah. Backed up 10. Well yeah, yeah but what do you do? No, it was actually cab twelve because he cab two nose press jump. butter cab dub under nine. Video game character, wild. Well, what do we uh, what do we think here? 
You're not driving to Colorado yet, are you? Not tonight. Are you going from here? I'm going to see Biner. And then I'll probably just head there tonight or tomorrow morning. Oh, Verde didn't bring his snowboard with him. I from Colorado. He was on a surf mission. We almost went to Nicaragua. We almost went to Indonesia. We almost went to Hawaii. Hawaii. We were close. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think we ever finished what I'm doing. I'm going to move to Indo in probably February. Okay, so you're going to give us the the, the breakdown of how that's going to happen. I'm going to work November, end of November, December, January, every single day. There's snowboarding now, so I won't feel, I won't be like as angry at myself if I have a day off. So I'll like go boarding and stuff. And, but yeah, I'm going to stay on my brother's floor three months, save as much money as possible. I don't know where I'm going to park my car, but I'm going to fly to Indo and just, you've taught me how to travel. I'm going to go there with nothing, no plan. Call mm. Bali daddy. Pick me up from the airport. Yes, sir. Bring me to Ungasan area. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'll go right to Surf House Bali. Just get that place for 10 bucks a night yeah. for like a, a week. Yeah. And then just every day be going to the Astana, talking to people. Yo, like I, I'm just out here. I went, I do this, I do that. I'm trying to like watch someone's house or something. Someone just a there. little bread to support whatever you got going on. Not, not even to bread. Keep. Just like, oh, I have a villa that like I need watch. Oh, to crash. Imagine. Free. Yeah, yeah. So that way you're not spending bread. It always comes down to bread. So it's Something like, how like can that. you just keep the bread at, z- at zero? Or z- you know, no up, no down. Just keep it where it's at. That's it. So yeah, that's my plan. Once I'm there, the expenses are so low that like I can maybe try to run someone's media or like do that and then just... Yep. I need to figure out how to serve. I have to. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I fully back it. We might come visit you in between, uh, in between the Japan trip. It'd be sick to do like... A, a quick either Indo or Hawaii. Maybe you take a break from Indo and come visit in Hawaii for a couple of weeks after Japan because you're going to probably do Japan with us. I'm going everywhere, yeah, this winter. We might have, uh, I, I don't think I've shared it in the podcast yet, but we're going to potentially, we're in the process of building just like a Japan camp. Probably keep it pretty small, either like five or 10 people, maybe a dozen people max and take care of, you pay one price and we pick you up at the airport. We bring you to the hotel. We make sure all your passes are dialed. We got you food seven days, shredding, transportation to and from the hill, video footage. You get featured in the vo- in the vlog. You get tips and stuff broken down afterwards. You get to watch your riding. You get to shred with us. And basically just like we have the place wired somewhat. And I know a lot of people don't really have the confidence or just like the the balls to just send a Japan trip. Maybe they don't have a homie to do it with. And so it just seems like boring. And we just want to bring a bunch of like-minded people together that are trying to shred, get them out of the US for potentially the first time. Your ability, you obviously have to be able to send us footage of you shredding a little bit of powder. You don't have to be basically intermediate, like an intermediate rider. I don't think you have to be any more advanced than that. There's a lot of, you know, we're going to focus that week, not on what you've seen us do there. You don't need to be keeping up with us like that. We're going to take the time to ride with you guys and stoke you out and give you an amazing trip. So we might be having Verde come in. Sick. Feature, feature Stoke there. Help help get some shots. And um, yeah, we're, we're trying to get that. First, we're dialing in the Narvi tour so we can get that schedule up on my website so you guys can actually know where we're going to be before the holidays. And then we're trying to do an East Coast one and then we're trying to announce the, the Japan Stoke off. Maybe do a Utah one too. Yeah, at the country club. Yep. Park City. Well, we got uh, a lot of stoke that went down. I, I Honestly, this was super rushed. I didn't write down anything. I'm stoked we got some some questions in and the Dan and everything. And uh, 
we're trying to get in the water. It's the sun's going down at four o'clock now these days. It's three forty. It's three forty. It so goes down at five. If so we go outside, it's probably dark. No, no, five o'clock is dark, right? So we're gonna we're gonna try to get some Stoke. Um, show show Verde some love. He's been fucking helping film and Stoke and support and do hella stuff behind the scenes of the vlog and answering a lot of your guys' comments and questions and just supporting and helping dial me in from fucking places to crash and driving long distances and making sure I can edit and everything and getting banger shots. So we'll be seeing him in a couple of days in Colorado. But Mike Green, no, Green Mike, double under score on instagram and uh verde's not really not really big social media guy on himself i feel like in the next couple of years this guy's gonna start helping run other people's socials because he's got a lot of skills like that behind the scenes so if you guys need honestly like your account managed if you have he doesn't edit but if you have clips that you need posted he can help run your socials he's done that for a lot of times we didn't even really get into that but um he's the boy we're gonna do a bunch more podcasts here in the, in the future this isn't just like a one take mike green run through we'll be we'll be shooting the shit literally next next week in colorado but yeah hit him up if you want him to help you handle some Slide social stuff in the dms any, anything else that you want a shout out or any any love any support you want to i mean honestly shout out you the last what I've known you for five years, 2018, I guess. Yeah, it's called uh, it's almost six, I guess. Shout out you, changed so much my life, doing so many different things that I never thought I would do. So much love to that. My brother for just being ultimate Stoke Lord, everybody in my family. I'm, I, don't, I don't even want to D-dub it and say too many names and not say other names. So shout out to everybody I have met because of him and all you guys. Like I'll be working at Ollie's or Empire and someone will be like, yo, Mike Green, what's up? And that's like- In Breckenridge. In Breck. So crazy. And like my coworkers will come up to me and be like, Who, what? How did, what? And it's just, it's so cool to see you guys. So come in, say what up if I'm there. Love doing that. And yeah, just shout out to- all the fucking boys that I talk to every day and drive me to keep doing what I'm doing. The boys. The boys. And thank all you guys for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. If you're on any other platforms, drop a review, a thumbs up, whatever they offer. It means the world. Show the support. We're putting a lot of work into these episodes and cop some more, cop some merch, caseywillax.com or support on Patreon, patreon.com slash caseywillax to have your questions featured. And we will see you in the next episode. You love to hear it. We'll see you next time. Probably from Colorado. You. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs>